Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, Dead or Dennis Maller, interview and talk with friends of mine who are artists and entertainers, and we talk about their day jobs. On the podcast this week is proposal writer, BCF winner, and comedian Al Park. I wanted to make sure I got those right because I'm going to have to write it down later as the title of this. Like, I don't title the podcast by name because most people don't know who the people are that I'm interviewing. Like, you're coming to the podcast because you want to hear people with interesting jobs. I assume that's why you're here. Or maybe you want to hear me. Or maybe um, I hear your friends. So, you you know, if you're hearing your friends uh, or somebody you find interesting that you know or that you have heard of on this podcast, thank you for listening. If you have no idea who I am, I'm a Boston-based comedian, formerly uh, from Baltimore, born and raised in the Baltimore area. So if, if at any point uh, people meet me and I give off a stabby vibe... Now you understand why. I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been uh, working in the radio business for, God, uh, almost 18 years now, 17 years. Uh, going on 13 years, I think, with the same company. Oy vey. I moved to Boston about three years ago to continue doing comedy, stand-up comedy, and working behind the scenes in radio. Uh, I've worked in front of the mic, behind the mic. I've basically done mostly everything that could probably be done in radio that's not uh, something that would be enjoyable to do. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a lot of shitty jobs in radio. But all of it I loved. I had great uh, fun. But now here we're at uh, doing comedy and talking to artists and entertainers about what we do in the daytime to keep us afloat at night for what we want to do at night. You know, I have a lot of friends who are musicians, a lot of friends who are comedians. We're going to have some musicians on the show. If you're a long-time listener, there will be musicians coming soon. Actually, I think uh, next month, uh, you know what? I won't even say what's going on next month because I, I can't make any promises yet. But I did just get back from uh, Charm City Comedy Festival a couple weeks ago now. I'm uh, a little bit off schedule with this podcast because I've been busy. But I went and did uh, comedy back in my hometown of Charm City and got to sit down with some friends and record some podcasts with them. Uh, those will be coming up soon. Uh, this week on the podcast, though, is uh, a comedian friend of mine here in Boston, Al Park, who is a hilarious comedian. Uh, he's very kind of just slow. He's kind of that slow build uh, comedian style where he's kind of just he has a nice even pace and he talks to you and it's very relaxed. Whereas me, as you could tell, just by listening to my voice, I'm kind of hyper and bouncing off all the walls, even on stage. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm kind of all over the place right here and I'm sitting still in front of a microphone in my own house. But... Uh, yeah, no, he's a very hilarious guy. He just won the Boston Comedy Festival last year. If we're in 2016, he won um, 2014 because 2015 just passed. Peter Martin won 2015. Maybe we'll have Peter on here one day. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Al Park. Uh, he also does this really cool job where he gets to work from home. Uh, I guess it's not even a cool job. It's a very interesting job because I found out a lot about the company he works for that he did not know about. And it's a company that you had heard of. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a huge company. Uh, you'll hear it in the podcast. You'll hear him talk about it, basically how he got it. We have a lot of deep comedy talk in this, which was very, uh, fun to listen to, uh, for me. Listen to Al Park's, uh, his approach to comedy and what he does and, um, what he likes about it. And we get a little inside baseball talking about certain other Boston area comedians. So that will be fun. I hope you enjoy it. Please enjoy my interview with proposal writer, Boston Comedy Festival winner, and comedian Al Park. Ah, things are going well. How was uh, New York? 
It was good. It was just the uh, second week in a row. I was out there, upstate. You know, it's nice. For a gig? Yeah. It's the kind of local comedy club. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Which club? Ah, oh, fuck. Yes. I don't know what, what to do about the static electricity in this room. It happens occasionally. I was at this place called Carmine's in Poughkeepsie. Carmine's in Poughkeepsie. Okay. No. Just the back of Italian restaurants. You featuring up there or? I was, yeah. Okay. You get another lot more, a lot more gigs you probably wouldn't have got since the uh, BCF. Yeah, things have picked up a little bit. You know, I don't know. I mean, definitely. You know, because I don't write. You know, I can't sit down and write, so I need to get up. So it's been good for scheduling. I mean, I don't think it really gets you anything when you go. You know, like I put it in the signature line of my in my credits, and you know, when I send emails out. But you really don't get stuff from sending sort of blind emails. You know, it's all referrals, and you know, just. You get up and you meet somebody, and uh, I was I was in uh, Connecticut at some club, and some guy I worked with was like, "Oh yeah, you're good," and he put me. So I had nothing to do with the festivals or anything like that. Just so you meet some guy, he's like, "Oh." Well, the since you won that because the same what like within the same week you won BCF and what Cleveland Comedy Festival. I think so. It might have been the it might have been two weekends. Yeah, I don't know. It's like kind that. of been conflated there, but within the have, same month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either, I think it was either the next weekend or the weekend after. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a you know it's such a lucky week. You know, uh, I almost didn't I didn't do well in my prelim in, at the Boston Comedy Festival, so that was kind of lucky. That you know what I mean? Like you just kind of like it's nice to ha- it's nice that it went well, but you kind of realize how arbitrary it is. You know? Is it? Uh, I mean, I don't know because. Uh... Well, I yeah. I mean, there was people like Anthony DeVito and people like, you know, Mark Norman was in it the year before. You know, people who were way funnier and way, you know, further along and, and just, you know, and it's just the whim of the judges, you know. Anybody can kind of, you know, especially when it's a short set, you know, anybody can kind of do a short set. And there's a woman that comes there from like, this place called The Joke Joint in Minneapolis, I think, and, and uh, you know... She watches and judges, and she's like, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I emailed her. She's like, you know, give me your card and, you know, come out and headline the club or whatever. And you have to, head, if you go out there, you kind of headline because you, you'd lose money if you feed, you know what I mean? The feature pay isn't enough to, so, you know, I emailed her and she was like, who who are you headlining for? And can you send me those, you know, get those people to, you know, vouch for you? And I was like, oh, I'm not headlining for anybody. And no. <laughs> I can't so I just never emailed her you know what I mean I emailed her back I was like I'm not you know I'm not a headliner and so um, you know not that that matters you know you know, particularly but uh, I just you know I couldn't do her club so you know you got 10 good minutes you know you could you could win a competition you know and not have anything more than that you know yeah no there's definitely that that thing where no matter what you're doing or there's that thing that you can just make a, a small set and just survive off that for a bunch of years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can survive off it, but it's a good for a competition for one time, you know. And I think the better your set is, a lot, I think you have to, you know, sometimes if you have a half hour, you got a much better five minutes to pull, you know. You can pull a better five minutes out of it, you know. Yeah, but, because you tied, let's say, not, it wasn't this year you won, you won two years ago, right? Yeah. And you tied with... Uh, Soren Chocksky, yeah. Thank you, because I've never heard his name said out loud. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. He, he. Uh, I've met him like three or four times, but I've never heard anyone. I may have heard him just say his first name, Soren. Soren, yeah, he's and a great. I, he's I'm great. afraid of saying it wrong. Yeah, yeah. I try not to mention that I tied. 
<laughs> it's funny the only person that ever mentions that is a lingon who won the year before yeah and everybody was like congratulations you won the festival and a lingon uh was like posted he's like congratulations on on uh taking a share of the title <laughs> <laughs> which well, i thought was kind of like uh you know but so just i think he was he's just we have that relationship where he kind of ribs me yeah well but, you, uh, you and uh soren shared both the title and the prize money whereas in yeah. lingon's year he gets the title but shared all the prize money yeah and uh yeah he did he did share yeah so fuck him basically <laughs> that do-gooder he know? gets the trophy to himself and the recognition well, not only did he share the money. the money but here's something embarrassing is that we had a deal it wasn't like clearly spelled out but there's always a like a backroom deal with the boston comedy festival where you like because they the prize money is like first gets 10 grand and second gets nothing yeah so there's like a sort of you know thing where they do like you just kind of get there and i don't know if they did it this year or whatever but you'd just be like everybody gets 200 bucks they take a, a thousand you know or whatever it is you know like the the runners up get all you know just agree to like be like okay we're gonna you know share this a little bit just so everybody gets a little bit i think lingon sent like 50 bucks to everybody that competed oh wow and i think he was basically saying how arbitrary it was so in a much more eloquent you know and selfless Kind of asshole way, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, there was a deal like that, and then I just forgot about it, and uh, so I, I didn't pay. So Soren sent everybody like a check for hundred, two hundred bucks or whatever. It was like a hundred bucks because we split the five. You know what I mean? Five grand, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't send him anything, and then I was hanging out with I think it was Ryan Donahue, and he was I think he yeah he was in the finals, and he was like, hey, you know, are you gonna get that hundred bucks to me? And I was like, oh fuck, you know. So I. <laughs> And it was like May. It wasn't soon. It wasn't like right after the festival. It was like an embarrassingly long <laughs> period. So I felt like a you know kind of a piece of shit. So I just PayPal'd everybody like that day and uh, took care of it. So yeah, I'm like the opposite of a lingon. I, I hoarded my half <laughs> half a share, and he gave it all away to the you know. So, but yeah, that was fun. And uh, you know, again, it could have gone any way. You know, like if I'd, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I almost didn't, like I said, I almost didn't get through the first round. And, and uh, you know, so it certainly has helped, I think, get booked, you know, but not, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it well, see, I've heard, matters past that, you know. I've heard people say that the uh, Boston Comedy Festival is one of those festivals that's a little more prestigious. Like uh, apparently more people around the country pay attention to the winner of it. Uh, than certain other comedy festivals. That's what I hear. I don't really know. I actually never went to the comedy festival until last year, the one that just passed. Yeah. Um, I kind of just... Well, you just moved here like a year or two ago, right? Three years now. Okay. So, yeah, it's good to go. I mean, it's a good thing to see, you know? Yeah, no, it was a great event. They put on a, a, a good little festival. Um, there was some really... Uh, the uh, Barbara Holiday Workshop. I think you were at that workshop, weren't you? This I was year? away this year. Oh, I was okay. in Seattle the whole, the whole month okay. for that competition. Uh, um, so... Oh wait, that's right. It was a month. That was a month long competition, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that one's ridiculous. I mean, that that's a you know, I guess that's arguably more prestigious. But I I think when you I don't think prestigious is the right word to use with comedy festivals at this point because there's so many of them. You know, yeah. I think Bridgetown, like the non the non competition ones, are the ones that are prestigious. You know, Bridgetown and maybe the Riot LA, just like the alternative stuff where industry is really there and and kind of hot. And I think Seattle and and maybe to a lesser extent, I mean Boston, but Seattle can kind of be like a you know, although the guy that won Seattle, this guy Dino Archie, is great, and he just did Kimmel, and he's got a, you know, he's just he's phenomenal. So, and he's not a hack, but you can kind of be a hack, 
I hope people from Seattle don't hear this, but you can kind of be like a, you know, you're out in the boondocks kind of. It's kind of like a road comedy festival. You're rarely in, you're in Seattle like once or twice. And then the rest of the time you're in like, you're like, you're on an island sometimes like Bainbridge Island or, or all these little, you take, you know, ferries out there and it's kind of a local population. So you can get by with, you know, with not great, uh, not like, not city material. If that makes sense. You know, you can kind of do the. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, I didn't want to go off on that tangent, but yeah, Boston Comedy Festival is great, and uh, Jim uh, McHugh and Helen, who run it, are really good, and I've kind of since gotten to know them pretty you, well. And You don't have to suck up to them, and they'll never listen to this thing ever. So. <laughs> yeah, fuck those people. Yeah. I'm never doing that fucking festival again. Five grand? We should have each gotten ten grand. Was that, uh, by the uh, way, was that your first time doing it, or have you done the festival in years before? No, that was the back? third time doing it. I did it, uh, that was like my first I've fourth. never even applied yet. Yeah, I just don't you know. feel like funding a festival I'm not going to be in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's actually a good thing to apply because, well, I think it's a good thing to go to watch. the. I think you learn a lot. So I started comedy. I mean, I'll go and check it out. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't know if I'm going to apply to it. But you get free year. pass to the entire thing except for the finals if you uh, apply. So you're basically buying a pass to all the shows, you know, yeah. which is, uh, so when I first started comedy um i started in 2010 and then in 2011 i applied which was probably way too early i think uh, or no maybe it was 2012 was why I, I got into the, the first no no 2011 i applied and i didn't get in and uh but i went and then i went to all the prelims and i learned a lot like you just learn how people pick up a mic and attack a five minute set and and the strength of the material and just you know i saw like 70 of the sets i mean i saw almost everybody do their set and that really helped me i think um, you know, again, competitions don't, don't matter that much. And it's, I don't know if it's necessarily, aside from maybe getting like a five minute set, you know, kind of practicing for like a TV, you know, um, slot. I don't know that it matters that much, but it was cool to learn that. And, you know, like I know comics that are much better than me and people who I admire who, uh, don't do well in competition. So I guess that's what I'll say about it is that it's not necessarily weeding out the, you know, it's not necessarily the cream of the crop is not necessarily yeah. always rising to the. You know, but that's not to say I don't like, you know, I, I think I did well and had smart material, but it's just a weird thing. It's an arbitrary thing. And, and uh, yeah, no, I have the same thing, not with competition, but like when I get when I do the studio or if I'm if I know I'm recording, like if I use my flip cam to record my set for something. Yeah, I get in my own head and my set's worse than had I just not done that or same thing in the studio. Because I'm all I'm thinking about is I, I need to get that that perfect five yeah. on tape. For submissions. So that's one reason why I'm never going to use another comedy studio's tape for a submission, personally, for anything. Because I'm never going to do as well there as if I'm just not paying attention. Or if, uh, if I'm not thinking about, I'm recording it for another reason. Yeah. So I, mean, I just go to the studio, have fun, don't even worry about the about the thing, and I don't even watch them anymore. Personally. And then I think for submission-wise, they see too many, people see too many of them and the brain just shuts off. But that uh, that's my opinion. I don't know about how truthful that is. Yeah, I mean, I've always sent studio tapes, but I think studio and just like anything, it's just you just keep doing it until you're no longer, you know, no longer thinking about it too much. And uh, also, if you ever want to get a tape, I think you just keep just tape everything, and then you don't have to worry about whether or not you're yeah. you're, you're making a tape, quote unquote. And uh, but even the studio, I mean, it takes a you know sometimes you got to go there fifteen times to get one really hot tape, and uh, you can't really control it either i think it's hard to you know 
I don't know. It's it's a just a weird thing, you know. You just got to keep, and the same thing with anything. You just, everything in comedy is kind of like you just keep doing it until, you know, until something you get better at it or something. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Yeah. Same with the the contest. I did the first year. I got to the semifinals. The second year, I got to the semifinals. Uh, and I thought I was going to get to the finals the second year because I had a really good set. But you know, again, the arbitrariness. And then the third year um, that I did it, I I, I won obviously or, or tied. Uh, so yeah, you, you won, know. you won. Yeah, With that's what I tell else. everybody. It's just <laughs> you know what? It's just weird if somebody came up and be was like, you know, this guy tied for the. Our next performer tied for the, the you know, people would be like, what? <laughs> was there like a vote or who was the other guy? You know what I mean? Like, you just want to be like, you know. Did they not do a joke off or for yeah, a winner? Right. Or... A shootout, you know, a comedy <laughs> shootout. So, but. Well, in uh, this town, yeah. if there's a tie this year, there's probably just going to be a roast battle to to announce the winner. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many fucking roast, roast battles off. can there be? Yeah. Uh, well, right but pretty now soon we people three. are going to, we're going to run out of, of, uh people to roast you know i think it's a good thing for like writing i don't know if it's a good thing for comedy but you know nothing you know it sounds like an old curmudgeon to say that there's things aren't good for comedy i mean it is what it you know every you know what i mean like everything's in comedy and in life is going to happen you know you know so it's not like uh bringer shows are going to go away and 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 roast battles seem to are they getting i guess they're getting crowds if there's three of them they must be a you know, Three they must be drawing that too. Like that's who Kona does one, and Sean Sullivan does one, and then who else does the it? The Limelight guys. Oh, really? But theirs I... is a rap roast battle. Oh yeah, so well, that's different. Well. Yeah, can't. Yeah, I I, I kind of lump it as the same yeah. thing as a roast battle. Just now they're rhyming <laughs> a rap roast battle that eliminates me on two fronts: <laughs> the ability to write a joke at a desk and the ability to rap. Because uh, <laughs> I will never be on the rap roast battle. I can tell you that much. So. Uh, yeah, I'm never going to be on it for, for different reasons, of course, but, um, I never want to be on a roast cause it's going to be fat jokes, you know, and I'm going to just, you know, and I'm going to be like, huh, I'm going to be like outs- outside. I'm going to be like, Oh, that's good stuff. And then inside I'm just going to be crying <laughs> and going home and, you know, considering dieting, but not, not ever dieting, you know? So it's going to, you know, I can't do that shit. You know, I'm too, I'm, I'm, I'm a really sensitive, it sounds terrible, but I'm, I mean, and I'm not honestly sensitive to fat jokes at this point in my life. I'm too old for that, but. I am like very. I was thinking about it lately. I'm real sensitive with comedy. Like I don't like to bomb, and it's really getting in my way. I think of getting better at comedy because I I'm not trying. New, new stuff is hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same with doing this. Like I did this club in Poughkeepsie this weekend in Albany, and you know you're just trying to get more work. You know I'm not going to go there and and fiddle around with new stuff in the back of an Italian restaurant. You know when I'm getting paid you know, a decent amount to, and I'm trying to come back as a headliner nonetheless. So I'm, I'm trying to just get the job done, but that's not exactly the way to get better at comedy. It's a good way to get better at crowd work, you know, which I'm real, I think I'm getting real strong at finally, but, uh, you know, it's not like going to write your joke. For, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to tinker yeah. with your, you know, so I can't even do, I have a new joke about Uber. I can't even do that. A lot of, you know, I didn't realize how few people have Uber. Is it really can, that? Well, you know, there's no need for Uber in a 12,000 population town. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what, who's going to make any money? You know, you're just an Uber driver and fucking, you know. Yeah, I guess if you're in a town where there's not mass transit and you have to have a car to get around. Or mass transit isn't as prevalent as it is here in Boston. Yeah. And it's a city where you, or a town where you need a car to get around. Otherwise, it's footing. You're on your feet. Yeah, it's just not enough people, people you know, in general, it. too. You know, I, so. had ne- I had not thought about it. I had... Uh, Zello on here talking about Uber being an Uber driver. Oh, Don Zolo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just released that last week, and nice. That was the one thing I didn't think about 
is the amount of like cities where it's not as prevalent traveling. Yeah, and that's just one example. There's just other jokes that you can't do. You know, you just do a joke and it just doesn't connect. You know, and uh, you're just you just got to put that away. You know, when you're on the road, you know, somewhere. And I'm very lucky that a lot of my stuff is pretty broad, so I don't have to do that with a lot. But uh, it sucks when you do because you're kind of like, oh, there's two different types of people and two different, you know. And I think that there's definitely things that you should be able to do. There's definitely jokes that you can only do in the city that I think are worthy of, like, maybe, you know, like, late night. Just, I don't know what it, I would call it smart humor, I guess. I don't I don't believe in that necessarily because there's, you know, uh, a lot of really smart comics that do dumb jokes. You know what I mean? Like, But yeah. they're well-crafted. Like Gaffigan, you know, he comes off as kind of a doofus in a lot of his jokes, but they're super tight jokes. And also he went to Georgetown. You know what I mean? Like, he's not an idiot. Yeah. So, um, smart so, jokes don't necessarily mean that you're, t- that you're talking about astrophysics or anything like that. No, uh, but it can, it can be in Boston. You know what I mean? Like you can do, like I have a joke about the, uh, the word friend zone, you know, like the, or the phrase yeah. friend zone, which just, and it's like kind of a, I would say it's a feminist joke, but it's just about how ridiculous that is and how entitled guys are, you know, and it just doesn't. You know, you say that, and I just it doesn't work outside yeah, in of middle this. of America. That doesn't really fly. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work that much in town either. So I think that's why I stopped doing it. But you, you I guess the ideal is that you you do smart jokes that work everywhere. But I just I don't know. Like I don't know that that's. I'm starting to change my opinion about that. Like I think to my you know, if you write something strong enough, even if it's a city joke, you can make it work for other people, and that's the goal. Is that you want to be just one comic everywhere. Um, but then you have that, you know, you have that idea and then you go to Florida or, or you know, South Carolina or someplace and not that they're, you know, just just rural or whatever, you know, and you just got to get the job done, you know, and then suddenly nothing's working. Everything's working at like half power, you know, so you're just struggling, you know, you're just trying to get the job done, you know, and, and I don't know. I think people think that uh, everybody thinks they're better than they are when they, you know, but I mean, when you go out, there's so many comics in Boston, and I again, I think that they're amazing, that can't work 15 minutes outside of Boston, and I don't think they should change necessarily, but it's just a, it's just hard, you know, on some of these things. It's it's hard to, the conditions are rough, you know. Have you been doing a lot more road work since the festival last year? Just since, like, in the last year, I've been trying to open up my options. Yeah, Cleveland, I met the guys that run the Comedy Zone, and, uh, you know, I've been trying for a while, but you sometimes have to email somebody for, uh, you know, like a, you know, a, a year or at least a, or yeah, 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 yeah. Even if you get a recommendation from somebody. So I'm kind of starting to be in at that chain comedy zone, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, and it's, 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 you know, those rooms are, some of them are great. Some of them are, are, you know, how do I, you know, how would I put it very tough and, and, and maybe not, you know, uh, you're not super excited to come back back to yeah you know what i mean but that's every you know so it's just a i don't know how to explain it but it's it's uh the best thing i always say to people and i don't know if this is what you were asking or i'm just going off here but people who just do one club or just do one um uh venue you know what i mean like or, or just one type of humor you know i think it's it's harder you kind of pigeonhole yourself but at the same time maybe you don't maybe just doing smart jokes at, at a certain alt kind of way and that's just who you are, and 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 uh, I mean, I wouldn't even say maybe. I just admire a lot of those people that do that, and they don't give a shit if they you know don't go over. They don't care if they make any money out of this, and they just kind of do really smart stuff. And if you just get really good at whatever it is that you do, eventually, 
You know what I mean? Like eventually you're going to be recognized for that and there's going to be an audience for it, you know, but, uh, you know, but it, it, it's just a, you know, it's a different, uh, I think that's what I'm working on right now is trying to figure out how to spend, uh, how to write smart stuff that also works or how to maybe even just to spend more time in the city and working on stuff and, and, uh, I don't know. I just don't think you got a lot. You don't get a lot creatively done when you're working on the, either on the road or at these big clubs because you're you're basically just trying to to win. You know, you're trying to like yeah. do really well so they have you back. So you're constantly kind of auditioning so you get back and and you know. And I think I've probably mentioned this, but the money is so so low in comedy that you you have to be a headliner in order to make it feasible. You lose money yeah. otherwise because you're only working Friday, Saturday, and if you're lucky Thursday night, and you might be getting seventy five or one hundred and fifty bucks a show. And, and it's, it's, or somewhere in between there. And that just isn't enough to sustain you, you know, for, from Sunday to, you know, Sunday to the next, to Thursday, to next Thursday, yeah. yeah. Or to pay the gas or, or whatever. And so, you know, I don't even know how much the headliners make at those types of clubs, but it's probably, you know, at least double. And, and then it makes it a little bit more, you know, you don't want to lose money. You try to, I try not to lose money on, on comedy unless it's some, you know, unless it's a real big, uh, opportunity you know i'll drive a long way to audition for something or to do a spot at a room or, or whatever if i can get in there but uh you know but i think about that a lot like you, you you know since the festival i started working more i start working more clubs and it's nice to have a little bit of, it's you know it's always nice to make money for doing something you love to do anyway and and that's what i hear <laughs> it's it's yeah i'll tell you it's it's great you know um but it's also kind of one of those things where you don't want to get used to the money because then you know, you don't want to choose a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar, or three hundred dollar, whatever it is. You know, gig over a spot at a great show in New York or Boston or something like that, where you can work on great stuff in front of a hot crowd. So I try to, you know, purposefully. You know, I still go to the studio and and uh, you know and uh, Mendoza and all those other rooms and and try to stay sharp in that way and not just be at you know bonkers. Well, did you feel it's easier to start doing the road um, because of work because you can work you pretty much work from home don't you i do yeah isn't that the the thrust of this podcast did we just get to that i was trying to get there naturally yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry I, I try to make this sound more like a chat than it is question answer question answer question answer yeah. i just wanted to be ca- casual and relaxed well that's i like um, to talk so uh, yeah because you, know. you work from home as a underwriter which i'm not still 100 <laughs> not an underwriter I, that would be i think that's an insurance term i work as just a proposal writer a contract proposal writer for xerox which is uh it's just a big infrastructure company it's kind of like halliburton for computers you know we do yeah. easy pass you know so no, like xerox company has the well EasyPass? they have a division of them does it? yeah because xerox does everything they probably make donuts in some division you know it's just really? a, z uh, x e x like yeah because xerox, xerox is, yeah they're just a the multi yeah they're just a multinational company that's gobbled up all these other companies so they yeah. bought the company that that did easy pass i think it was called acs and so i don't even work for that division but that's that's a good example i always tell people what they do I work in credit cards, um, but they do Easy Pass is a good way to see what kind of you know how big a scope they have. So imagine, um, so they have to and not the physical stuff, but all the systems basically they run, and they have to just so it's just a giant undertaking, you know. And uh, so you need just a giant like IBM, you know, type company or a Xerox company to run all that stuff, and and because the states don't do it themselves, you know, they don't want to. They don't have the, you know, manpower or whatever uh, to do that, and so they hire these giant computer companies. So, and so, you know, same thing with credit card or or we do, uh, 
uh, EBT, which is like food stamp, yeah. what the food stamp used to be. And so we'll contract out for an entire state's EBT thing. This is putting me to sleep just talking about <laughs> it. No, I think it's fascinating because I had no idea that Xerox had all those other divisions. And you also kind of like don't know how these like, – like I assumed EBT was ran by the state and it was a division of the state and that's it. I didn't realize there was somebody else involved with it. I don't think about where those things come from. How those companies operate. Oh, I had no idea. I don't even like thinking about it. I, I don't like, I mean, I don't even, you know, I hope nobody from my work hears this, but I don't like, I don't take any interest in the industry of, you know, I don't think we're, you know, doing anything particularly special, you know, I don't think, you, you know what I mean? I think it's just a job and, and uh, I'm very lucky uh, because I, yeah, I do get to do it from home and so it works with comedy, I guess, you know, more. I don't think the road is necessarily, you always say the road. Remember, I remember when I first went to a festival and there was a guy that represented, he had clubs in the road. I was like, yeah, man, I just want to get on the road, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, it, it's not, that's not how it works. You know, it's not like <laughs> there's a road, you know, there's like a, you know, there was, I think more in like the nineties or whatever, you could just kind of be on the road. And I, I'll meet some headliners that do that, but it is rough, you know, like they live out of their car kind of, they're like your uncle that has, you know, a tennis racket and a volleyball net and, mm-hmm. you know, a whole softball league set up in his trunk. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. in a cooler and just like, they're just like these guys that are kind of crazy and, and, you know, but a lot of them don't even have, some of them don't even have a place to live. They just live, yeah. you know, there's kind of couch uh, places they stay in different cities because they've been there for a while or just comedy. Condos. Comedy, not even comedy condos, but comedy houses, you know, like if somebody comes into Boston, maybe they stay at your place or they stay at, uh, you know, somebody puts them up for whatever but um couch surfing and whatnot yeah yeah so but it does allow me to travel and and uh and it's and everybody know, there now knows that i do comedy which is really nice so my boss knows and and uh i just feel like because you know the first you know number of years you do it you don't you're not you know you just i try I'm very i'm very like skeptical uh i think a lot of people hear me talk about comedy probably you know um recognize that i kind of have a a critical some might say negative you know Thing. I don't know if that's just who I am or my parenting, but I just didn't think of this as a viable thing or even uh, want to talk about it to people or, or like, um, you know, I still I still think it's kind of semi-viable. Like, I think I'll always have a, I won't always have a day job. If I got a writing job or if, if things really took off in stand-up, I would ideally, you know, like to do it full-time, you know, at some level because it's, it's a great thing to do, but it's not, you know, it's not a lot of money. You know, I went to grad school just before I started doing comedy, so I racked up you know, some debt, getting my MBA and, and, you know, that I'm not really using, you know. So as a writer, uh, you know, I don't really need that. Does your, your, your college degree not? I was an English major, but you know, like I was a poetry major. That's never, no, that was a liberal arts. Liberal arts degree. Okay. Yeah. And then I got an MBA and I paid full, full boat for that. So that's, you know, like a mortgage, you know, it's a small mortgage that I'm, I'm paying it off, but it's, you know, it's going to take a while. I can't just kind of live on comedy checks you know and uh until you get that cleared away yeah nor would i would i for the same reason you know that you wouldn't want to get used to it because then you're making decisions on your you know what i mean like you're making financial decisions over you know i hate to say artistic because i don't try not to call it an art necessarily i mean it is an art form comedy but you know what i mean it's it's also kind of a craft uh... and a parlor trick and a con job you know what i mean at different levels there's a few people you know, there's certain people I consider, are, you know, people who do art <laughs> as comedy. And then there's a vast majority of them that I think are learning how to, you know, 
Just be social and talk to people. Yeah. yeah, or something. Just kind of get it. I don't know if all comedy rises to the level of art. I mean, yeah. I think that most of it doesn't, probably. And uh, I'd consider anything that's entertainment to be art. Because art is entertaining. Entertaining can be art. Uh, yeah. It's kind of one of those... I, I, I'm i on the same side of you where it's like, uh, I, ta- I talk for five minutes about my dick. Is that really art? You know, but... Yeah, well, I was listening to I listen to talk radio sometimes on my. I was on the trip back. It was like a three hour drive, and I was listening to sports radio, and you know they had nothing to talk about on these these national stations. They were talking about whether they were saying that anything that's less active than baseball is not a sport. Mm-hmm. Anything that's more active, you know, and it's a stupid thing to draw that line, but uh, and you can't draw it in comedy. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like art is the thing to me that you are like, how does that happen? How does art, art is like, I can't quite figure out how that was put together. Whereas I know, you know, at comedy, that you you know, you watch somebody and you're like, oh, that, that, yeah, set up punch, set up punch, you know, my mother's Italian, my father's Spanish, so I make, you know, frittatas in the, with tomato sauce, or whatever yeah, it is. Frittata you know, pizzas or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So there's like this sort of joke, joke, but then you see some people and you forget the, 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 underlying construction of it at least for me and it's harder because you work on this stuff but when you see somebody really good i to me i think and i see somebody i think is i'm just like i don't know how they got that i don't know how they figured that i don't know what is going on there i don't what think was they, the through way through their head to get from there to there yeah or just it falls away i don't see the construction of it you know and and i don't i just sort of appreciate what's happening and and uh how unique it is or how special it is and not you know what I mean? Like, not the actual uh, technique that they're using, you know? So, Yeah, no, I get so bored when I see joke format. Like, I, 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 I'm I, still doing open mics probably, you know, because I have nowhere else to go. But I'm doing more than you are, and I'm seeing new guys, and it just... When I see the punchline coming, I just get so, so bored. Sure, but that's a function annoyed. of... But that's also a function of you doing it for a while, yeah. you know, and you got that... Hard to turn that, that voice off. You're looking at it like an author looks at a somebody else's work. You're yeah. like, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that, and so that builds up. You know, the worst part of it is it builds up in life, you know? Like, it's hard to be like, uh, you know, laugh. Like, my brother's a nice dude. You know, he's a teacher, and he's kind of, like, dad funny, but it's tough, you know? Sometimes <laughs> I'm just like, yeah... You know, don't quit your day job of being not funny. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't be... And he knows it, so he laughs. But I don't think he realizes how, you know, if you're on a date with somebody and they say something, they do that laugh thing, and they're pretty happy with what they've done. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you want to scold them? No, like, that's not that's even... Yeah, don't stop. Don't pause after what you just said as though it was good enough, to, as though it qualified as funny, because it wasn't. Don't stop for your applause break just yet. Yeah, yeah, which is which is weird, because I've always been, a, I think, a funny guy, and I've always interacted with people and maybe made them laugh, but I've never, like, I, sometimes I am just sitting with somebody, and I'm just like, oh, you didn't, not not in a bad way, but just it, maybe it, that whole thing of maybe how you're kind of uh, uh, inured to the the you know, to the uh, to the, the mechanics of comedy or whatever, so that you it's not magic for you anymore. Yeah, sometimes you're talking to somebody and they're laughing at something stupid and you're just like, ooh, you know, oh, yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, you know? or it's like you hear somebody tell a street joke and everyone laughs. You're like, no, 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 that's out of the book. That's not, yeah. you didn't write that. I think it's just more hard to fake that you're, you know, <laughs> that's good. That yeah. thing you just said that's not funny that you laughed at and uh, for both of us. So it's, yeah, it's just weird, you know, but... Um, so you said your your coworkers at 
coworkers know that you're a comedian. How often do you have to go in the office to meet with them? I have never met anybody I work with. Oh, you just talk to... Do you... No, you want to hear how crazy it is? I... I would love to hear how crazy it is. I am... Uh, so I got a job out of uh, business school at this social work. I was a non-profit major, which was even stupider, now that I think back on it, to take money out uh, at the level that I did for a non-profit degree. That was my specialty. And then I, of course, quickly abandoned that after the first job. But the first job was at a social work institute, and I was working during the day. And so the first like two years that I did comedy, like 2010 to 2012, I had a job a full-time job and then I got laid off and that's when I really like I was just getting to that point where I was like oh I'm 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 get I, I don't even think I thought about it but I, I was starting to get better and I was just like I need to try and get better you know faster or whatever so I took unemployment remember back then there was like unemployment I don't know if it's still the same but you could get unemployment for like nine or twelve months because of the recession yeah. and so I just kind of did that and uh, unfortunately, I had a lot, you know, I'm older, I had a life, I had a nice apartment, I had a car. I, I So I went into debt, essentially. I went into, like, pretty bad debt. because I was being trying laid to, off. Yeah, because first of all, I wasn't thinking about, um, yeah, for being laid off and also just for not looking for a job right away because I was just, like, comedy, 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 comedy. And you need that focus for a while. And so in retrospect, I can say now that I've paid the debt off, not the loans, but, like, all this debt that I accumulated. But for, like, two or three years there, I was not working. I... I, I in you know, or two years basically, I was not working uh, a ton, and and uh, so I was just kind of you know paying off my rent, even like my rent and stuff. Like I was just getting a lot of you know credit cards and stuff like that, and just going after the comedy night after night. And uh, I didn't. I was really worried because I I think something inside me said you got to pursue this because you just have to do it. Um, and just get better and better and better. But but nothing said this was going to be a career. And I mean, I'm still don't think it's a career necessarily. But it's it's uh, it's closely becoming one. More you. so since the yeah. Once the competition, once the festival. For, for I think the big thing for me is you know a lot of comics are like I did Conan, and suddenly I was like okay now everybody in my family knows I'm a professional comedian. You know, uh, maybe I didn't get a lot from it externally or an agent or management or whatever. So for me, winning the festival was kind of like oh I'm coming out as a you know what I mean. Like I actually was like. Uh, you know, they're going to let's do a story on it in the paper or whatever. And, and I was just like, yeah, I, I would like to do this. That was the first time I said to myself, I allowed myself to say, I would like to do this, you know, as a career, you know, but in those years when I was just going to mics and going to shows and just doing it and trying to get 10 minutes together or whatever, you know, those, um, you know, I, I, uh, oddly enough, the, this is a strange story, but it just tells you how life is. I was posting one day, on Facebook about how I went to an interview and I interviewed a bunch during this time and I just never got anything. And, uh, I was like, you know, posting a joke about it on Facebook. And this guy that I play in a fantasy baseball league with, um, was like, Oh yeah. Hey, do you, are you a good writer? You know, he just emailed me offline. He's like, I had, I work for this, I work for Xerox. We do this, we write these things, you know? And, uh, I didn't know anything about the industry or anything about the writing, but I'm a good writer. I'm a smart enough guy to figure it out. So he took me on, and then I, like, for about a year and a half, I was working, like, you know, maybe a month, and then I was off, like, five months. It was not enough to, like, I was still looking for real jobs. You were just writing contracts? Yeah, just writing, learning yeah. learning how to write this. And by the way, writing it is not the right word. It's like a compiling and editing, and, and uh, because you're selling the same product over and over again, a lot of it is, like, I called it, like, one time I called it, like, Oh, I feel bad. I hope nobody hears this from work, but it's like super, super difficult cut and paste. All right. Super ornate cut and paste. You know what I mean? Like, cause you're selling the same thing over, but what they're asking for in each contract is different. So you got to kind of tailor it to their language, but you're using 
material from your previous proposals. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of it is, we call it baseline, but it's essentially like a template. You know, So if we write a proposal for the state of Oregon, when the state of Washington comes up, a lot of times they'll use the, um, it's called an RFP, request for proposal. So it's just a giant document, like a 200-page document, basically saying this yeah. is what we want. And then in, in response to that, we write like a 1,200-page document saying this is what we have. It meets all the requirements that you put in there. And so what they do at the beginning of the project, they take the 1,200 pages that it's going to be, or they take the 200-page document, the RFP, they just slice it and dice it into chapters and sections, and then they have, you know, between five and 20 writers just work on it for a month or two. And work on just different a, parts? Yeah, so you just do different parts of it, and uh, so I'll do like, you know, I'll do just a big chunk of it, maybe a 100-page or 200-page chunk of it, and it'll take me six weeks or whatever, and then I just bill by the hour, and, and uh, you know, so this guy got me the job there, and I, again, it wasn't enough. It was like, great, I, and I immediately thought, oh, I can do this, and I can make money at this, because it's a good-paying job, and and uh, I was I started extrapolating based on what I made at the beginning, and then I just didn't realize that when you work as a contractor, you know they pay you pretty well, so that they don't have to pay you full time, and so that they can just hire and fire you at will, kind of. You know what yeah. I mean? So you get laid off a lot, and you get not laid off, but you get, you know, you're on the bench they call it, you know, yeah. where you're just not working, and so. Are you a 1099 independent contractor? I you? I did that for I worked for another company last year. Got got you know when it gets really slow, I I started working for a different company. Um, Again, through the through the same guy for this medical technology company, and I wrote for them for a while, and uh, I did that. I did the, um, I did the. What do you call it? The I always forget what they always mix it up. I should know this shit because I went to business school, but I'm the I'm like the dumbest. Not the dumbest, but I like I'm not even I'm not even very good with spreadsheets. I mean, it's embarrassing. I took a lot of leadership classes. You know what I'm saying, Dennis? I took a lot of fucking like you know like marketing, uh, and social media. Like I took like cla- like accounting. I f- struggled through. And uh, I always tell this. This is a good story. I always tell this story where I took this econ class. And economics is a very hard to, was you know, like one semester was micro, one was macro. And um, I just was like, and I just started taking uh, Ativan. Or not Ativan. Uh, what was it called? I take that too. But uh, I don't know. Adderall. Adderall. Uh, Adderall. Adderall. You know Adderall? Okay. I know like what Adderall Legal is, speed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I was drinking a lot because I was like, I hated business. I hated it. So I would just go home and kind of like self-medicate. Um, but I, when I went back to school, I realized, oh, I'm like totally ADD. I couldn't figure it out. So I got prescribed this stuff. And, uh, so I would show up there every day and I was just so hopped up on Adderall, um, that I would just, I guess I would just stare at the professor all the time. And I was kind of like, you know, just had this confident look, I guess, on my face. And uh, then I got like a 30 on the midterm and, you know, it was like a month and a half or two months in, and he gave it back to me, and he's, he passed it back to me, and he goes, you know, you've got this look on your face, and I couldn't tell the entire semester whether that look was like, oh, this is way too easy, <laughs> or like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, well, now you know. It was the, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the look of confusion. Yeah, and eventually I figured it out, but it was like, yeah, that's how business school was for me. It was just a lot of, like, stuff where people smarter than me at numbers in people stupider than me at people, you know? Yeah. People couldn't write. They couldn't write good sentences. They couldn't, but they could just run these simulations and these, all this super stuff that pays a lot of money, you know, whereas I'm like the guy who was finishing the paper, you know, of the team project. I kind of, you know what I mean? Like I was like kind of doing the stuff that made it made sense and, and, uh, doing the backbone work. Yeah, like, and, you know, and people would come up with ideas for products and stuff like that, and, like, marketing, they were so, you know, they're not stupid, but just like, oh, you're a, you're, you know, go back to your spreadsheet, you know what I mean? And I would have a good idea, and I, you know, but I could not figure out, I, I just can't sit, you know, that's why I'm a comic, I can't sit and crunch things, you know? It's weird that I can even do this, this, uh, 
this work that I do, except that I'm a writer and I get left alone. So I can kind of patch it together. I can't write top to bottom. I fill in shit like different. I even go different sections at different times. I'll go into different. It's almost like I'm coloring in a giant thing and I'm, I'm, I can't start at the beginning. I start at three different places and I just like, have you watched my trajectory of how I work? It is really messy. It's, it's almost like I hope no one looks in on me halfway through because <laughs> it looks like I've started and stopped. It looks like I've started and abandoned a bunch of projects. And that's actually how I kind of write comedy. It's like, <laughs> I just have an idea and I kind of try and find a good line in and then I'll just abandon it for a while and it'll stay in the back of my brain and maybe I'll work on it again. But I, I, unfortunately I tend to move towards what's easiest. Do you know what I mean? Like the path of least resistance. And, and, uh, so, um, that's another thing I'm fighting in comedy is like, how do I push these bits that I know are great premises into, into bits and not abandon them because they fail or they, um, or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, it's hard to get, like, so I, I rack up all these things. I, I just, all I do is I, when I have an idea, I put it in Evernote, you know, it's that note-taking program. Yeah, I used to use that, but I switched to Google Drive now. Yeah, so Evernote is great. It, it syncs on my phone, it syncs on my, and the thing that's nice about Evernote, and here's the thing, I don't even use these, but I, I put a note down in text, and then I, you can record into that same file. Yeah. I don't know if you could do that on Google Drive, but it's no, pretty cool. So you can, I, like, write down your, your premise, your punchline, or whatever the idea is, and then you can just talk about it within that same file. And it's all together as well. Yeah, yeah. which would be ideal if I ever looked back at those. <laughs> which I which I fucking don't because I'm a lazy piece of shit. I I really struggle with that, but I have all these really I think really interesting premises that I've never, you know, like I I plant a lot of seeds and then I just don't go back and 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 water them. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't do the work of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and I think the only way reason I'm I'm even halfway decent at comedy is just because I'm a funny like I'm a funny person and I have a certain funny like I you know listen to me fucking <laughs> I'm good enough. <laughs> You know, You're people good think I'm yeah. just, you just comedy festival. I got a friendly face, and uh, you know, I, yeah, it's just, it's I don't know. Like I think I'm almost uh, decent at it, despite my utter lack of ability. And you'll find a lot of comics I think are ADD or otherwise just crazy nut job people that just somehow understand the rhythm of it, or or they yeah. just have a they just have been funny all their life when they're you know. But I would say you know, in, in a uh, different than a lot of the guys I came up with who are just you know like. Um, I think of the people who are really successful right now who are kind of finding that, you know, getting writing jobs. Langston Kerman and Alingon and Matt D. All, he just got a writing job. And all these people, and I think they're able to sit down and do the work. Uh, yeah. Gondelman is a perfect yeah. example. And it's I just, you just sit and write. Yeah, I can't. I go to a coffee shop. I try to do it. I, I, I will write premises, but I just don't do that sort of... Uh, Write you know, out as many punchlines possible for that thing to go through, or something like that. Yeah, Whatever and, people do to, to write, yeah, yeah. And yet, at the same time, I I don't think I I'm not one of those guys that I think people watch and are like he's still doing that joke. Like I think I actually move through material pretty quick, you know. Like I have a, a you know relative. I think relative to some people, maybe not everybody, but I have a pretty solid you know amount of really tight material given, you know. The uh, you know, given that I haven't been doing it a long, long time, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, what five years now? Yeah, six years now, and, six and years, yeah. I We've can do an hour. Yeah, yeah, I can do an hour of jokes that work that don't no, where no, none, not a single one of them is like diving into a swimming pool and and you're not sure if there's water, you know. Which I that's what I think of a joke that's not finished is when you just and that's what happens when you're an open micer and when you're trying to figure it out and when I do anything new, that's the same feeling and that's again what I'm really not good at and I'm trying to get better at. And I'm trying to start to go back to mics and get this sort of like uh, sense of of not worrying about what people think and 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 uh, 
you know, but it's, it's hard, you know, it's just the failure involved is hard. And, uh, you know, so somehow, despite my desire not to fail, I have an hour worth of stuff. And again, I don't like at any given time, I like like 10 minutes of my material because <laughs> there's a window where you like it and you're like, this is a really good joke. And then you just have said it a hundred times or 200 times or it, yeah, yeah, you get tired of it, you know, and it's a little embarrassing that I'm still doing a joke that I did. You know, like my first really good joke, I still do it, and it's still one of my most popular lack of, you know, for Which lack of... Which one is it? It's a, it's a joke about vegans, you know? I don't even think... You might not even have seen it, because I, I would never do, I would never do it within like a 50-mile radius of Boston. Because, yeah, we've probably all seen it. I've I guess, yeah, but I just don't do, it? You know, What's once you don't need to... The joke is just that, you know, you'll never see a vegan after a big vegan meal just doubled over. You know, just like, and then I'd, I'd crouch down and I'm like, oh shit, you know, I should not have had that second radish. <laughs> See, it still fucking works. I it's still got it. <laughs> well, but it's not a, you know, and then I have a whole bunch of tags to it, you know, and they all work and, and, uh, but it's just not like, and that was, I wrote that in 2000, like seven months into the, to, to my, and it was like the first joke where I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to do that one again and then i proceeded to write like 20 more minutes of food material over the next two years and then um you know which i'm trying to get away from but uh food's relatable everybody eats it yeah and i don't you know what's funny i do i do i'm a fat guy and i talk about food probably when i headline especially because i i need to get a certain amount of time out so i have like a almost like a you know like the in sports they script the first like 30 plays of a football game that's kind of how when i headline now because i don't have i can't just you know, kind of, I'm, I'm, uh, like if I do 10 minutes or 20 minutes or even a half hour, I can just kind of go up. I could be, you know, in a car chase and then I, you could just get me out, out the, you know, and then two minutes later I get on stage. I can, you know, I got enough stuff that I can draw from, but when I have to do 45 or longer, I have to do this 25 minute chunk of food at the beginning, almost like to make that rest of it. Then I can kind of, you know what I mean? Like if sell I, yourself, make them know that you're funny up top. That way you can, yeah, and it's just that little bit. Or, yeah. or here's the thing, or more just till I get through the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just need to get to 25 minutes in, and then I only have his 20 minutes. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I have yeah, to, yeah. like, I have this chunk of stuff, and I, again, I don't love it. And, uh, and actually, some of the best sets I have are when I just, weirdly enough, like, I start off with something in the middle. And I can literally feel myself like shaking. Like, what was I thinking? I just want to. Usually, it's when a show I know is not going to go well, or it just doesn't look like it's going to go well, or the previous show, early show, didn't go well. And I know there's no, you know what I mean, like low stakes, you know. And I'll just start off with my last joke or my middle joke or whatever. But, uh, you know, and it, again, it comes back to that not wanting to fail, and uh, and that's a real, you know. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's hurt me so much yet. I think that's you know. I, I it, it, it probably helped me a lot because I do well on a lot of shows. You know what I mean? Like I'm consistent. I don't bomb. I don't freak out when I bomb. You know, I don't. I do bomb. I'm, I shouldn't say that, but it's usually a function of terrible circumstances because the stuff that I write is usually for whatever reason. And I'm not saying this in like some kind of braggy way, but it's not. Once something works for me, I know it works. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. it's almost like I know it works well enough. The stuff I keep. You know, the stuff I don't, I don't, I have great jokes, I think, that, that, you know, one of my favorite jokes is this joke about ice cream that everybody loved, or not, not ice cream, it was about pancakes, mm-hmm. and it was this, like, three or four minute bit about um, a pancake commercial, and it was kind of surreal, and it doesn't fit with the rest of my stuff, and every comic always loved it, they always thought it was the best, but I never, it never, it worked, like, 60% of the time, and I just won't do, I won't, you know, I'm not gonna go up and fail 40%, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so the stuff I've kept... Is stuff that works 
at some level every time. Like it never gets a confused look. And the only time I get that confused look, and I actually got it last night in the second show, and I'm convinced it was because I had dinner between shows, which is never good. You should always go up on an empty stomach or like a light salad stomach because your mind is sharper. I left out a, I, I misordered a joke, which again doesn't happen that much because I I'm, I work a ton, so I'm kind of always fairly sharp, you know. But uh, or not fairly sharp, but just I, I don't have to think that much yeah, about you're what doing my it, jokes yeah. are. Yeah, but I. I misordered a joke and I I landed the punchline and I always think about it like you're landing a, you know like diving into a swimming pool or finishing off a jump and ice dancing or something like that or you just or just like a tap move and then you give that little tap thing where you put your arms out you're like ta da ta da yeah and then just blank stares and I know that something and the the math of the joke didn't add up because you you left that one part yeah like I was like instead of eight plus six equals fourteen I was like eight plus silence yeah. equals 14 and like and everybody's like why is it equal 14 i don't get that you know and that so eight plus a thing is 14 what yeah huh and yeah. every joke is like that every joke is just a blank every joke is like eight plus something and then you just got to figure out what that something is that adds up to the thing you and you got to either figure out the ending or the the middle or whatever it is but there's a math to it that you need to do in order to make people laugh in order to have it be a joke and and uh and 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 that's the hard thing about it, you know. That's why comedy is hard, you know, because it, it's you gotta you gotta do something that ideally is unique, and that even if people know the topic a lot, they haven't quite thought about it the same way, or, or maybe it's something personal to you. But um, when you're new, every joke is like you don't even know what the numerator or the denominator is. You don't even know how it works. <laughs> you don't know the structure of it. And I don't think in terms of structure still to this day. I just write something and I think it's funny and and. I think I've just done it enough. I've done a thousand or two thousand shows now, or whatever it is, and, and I've done five or seven nights, a, you know, five or six nights a week for the entire time I've been doing comedy. Like I've never taken you a know, week off. Or... I mean, maybe at the beginning when I would bomb at like this one open mic, I would just cry, you know, like literally, like just fucking go home and be like, I'm never doing this again. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I'm very lucky in that I figured out a couple. Th- I figured out a couple things, and I was funny enough at the beginning that there was enough return on my money. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. have some positive affirmation. I'm a I'm a I'm a pleaser, and I need to have people say this. And so, even when I took my class at IB, you know, I took my class at Improv Boston. I needed to get if I had bombed there, I wouldn't have moved. Every step there needed to be some like I'm not some guy who's like gonna suck at something and stay with it. I mean, I've signed up for so many adult ed classes in my life, <laughs> and just never went after. I was a writer. I signed up for fiction classes and poetry workshops and acting workshops i remember an acting workshop and I'm, i love acting i didn't i didn't you know i freaked out at some i just was like i didn't want to work to prepare a scene or something like that so i just stopped going to the class and comedy <laughs> is the one thing no it's you... true though it's just like a diet or anything you start you can just i'm just a quitter you know it's and most things i would say and and because i i like an easy path you know i'm i'm a, i like a you know if i was disciplined i would be in shape if i had discipline i would be you know, I would have my shit together a little bit more, and I have it in some areas now, and a lot more maybe than I did ten years ago, or five years ago, but not in in uh, in some ways. And, and one thing that's nice about comedy is that for whatever reason, I just I get I get I don't need that that it's kind of self it, it it's self fulfilling. Sort of, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that new joke, that next joke is always around the corner, and it sucks to wait for it. I feel like I'm in a real I don't know if it, fallow is that the right word. I'm in a real dry spot right now. Yeah. But I've got a couple things that are real close to being like something I could say out loud. And so I'm not yet excited about them. But once I figure them out, I'm going to have a real fun month. 
of of testing just, them out and yeah and no the it. testing it out it sucks i mean i hate that i don't hate it but like the when it works for the first time and once it works once something works once i get a line into something like a bit i then can it's like i've gotten permission to talk about it more does that make sense yeah and so that way i can start filling it out and fleshing it out and one joke becomes a a, a lot of you know a lot of jokes you know and so um i don't know if we've gotten away from the the Thing we're supposed to be talking doesn't about. doesn't matter. Did you, was there a time you said you needed to be out by? Um, not really. I think, okay. uh, just wanted to make sure because I don't want to hold you or make you late for anything. No, no, no. How long but. do these normally go? How long is the Hour longest? And a half, two one? hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I like, I think that my longest one's like two and a half, but I just go yeah. until we kind of, feel I can do another like, yeah, do like half hour yeah, or whatever. Okay. But, okay. Uh, um, but going back to work, because uh, this is what I'm, I'm curious about because yeah. I've had to do, I've done a few 1099 jobs for Sirius Satellite and, they, I have, I had to write up an invoice and and email it to that, or actually had to fax it because it was hard to, oh yeah, yeah email attachments back when you I did send this. it on cassette. Yeah, uh, I, I like wasn't sure what to do. I had to get, somebody gave me one and I just put my name in instead of his. Yeah, and then the hourly rate. Uh, but so you bill your company hourly for writing. How do you? How do they? They know that. The, is it an honor system for being legit? Actually, or? it is an honor system, but what happens is over time, they know how long it takes to write something, and okay. so I'm, they use me a lot because I, I assume, because I, I have good, I have a quality of work to hours build ratio that's good. I didn't at first, because you're learning it. You don't know, I had no idea what the industry was. I mean, I, honestly, it was the most painful thing I've ever, I would be on conference calls, I would just like, nobody gave me training, nobody, and I would just be assigned this writing stuff, and I had to read all this stuff, and it was... It was horrible. I had a ton of anxiety at the beginning, and I was like, this is terrible, and I didn't know. And I would, people would be like, I, I had a question, and people would send me on. The worst part of a job is when you have a question for somebody, but you don't know enough to even ask the right question. And then when they start explaining it, you're like, I don't know anything <laughs> that they're talking about. Like, that's the worst part of any job, and I hate it. And I'm very lucky that right now I'm in the part where... I pretty much know, and I can go to people and ask them, and I know what they're talking about. But yeah, it was like they were speaking in a different language, and I would literally call somebody, and they would start talking, and I would be like, this was a mistake, you know? Like, I just need to, you know, I don't know what they're saying. And they, because they, they expect me to know more. Yeah. And if they didn't, like, if I actually, they knew the level of, like, because I would be like, what's EBT? Like, I was writing for an EBT, and my question, I think the first year, my one question I never asked, which I always <laughs> thought was, what is EBT? EBT. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like what, I, what am I writing hey, can this we, for again? Can we back up a second? What's what is uh, you know yeah like how do I use a hammer? You know what I mean? Like that's I don't forget the woodwork that I'm doing or the construction. How do I use this? What is this called? You know, and that that is awful. And so yeah, what you is, built, uh, just hand me, yeah. I'm just using the banging thing against the pointy yeah. thing to put the things together. You mean a hammer and nail? Yeah, that. Do you, is that what you call it? Okay. Yeah, and most of the other writers come from the industry. They come from government work, or they come from EBT or whatever it is. And so they have a there, but they're maybe not as good a writer. So I'm a, I'm a real smooth writer. Uh, I've been writing my whole, you know what I mean? Like an English degree, and I wrote, and and even though, like I said, I'm I'm very lazy, I have a whatever it is, the skill of writing stuff. You know, I was a great paper writer. I always got, a, I never got a B on a paper. I don't think in my life, you know, and uh, and also I never outlined. I never did anything. I just wrote it the night before, and it always, you know, because I and also I don't think I really had to research because whatever it is about my writing, it might be the same with my comedy. There's a level of of smoothness or charm or whatever fluidity. it is fluidity i think that's a good thing about it. yeah and you need that for comedy too but it just kind of over you you overlook the 
You know what I mean? Like, if you just turn something in and it's got all the wrong grammar and stuff, like, they have to stop and be like, ugh. But if it doesn't and it's relatively smooth and conversational, I think they overlook the the um, lack of research or work that went into it. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of a con job like comedy, you know, and I've been able to do that. So I was a good writer, but I didn't know the industry. And and, and so... Um, have you ever tried, like, doing any freelance writing for... Like news articles or blog posts. Yeah, I wrote. Like I wrote for. Well, God, a whole lifetime ago, I wrote for. Because um, that seems like that's more what you want to do, right? Or novel, or are you more? No, I don't want to write a, a novelist. No, I don't want to write a novel. I mean, I I don't want to do poetry either. I mean, God, yeah. comedy is already fringe enough. At least you get paid for comedy. But I have friends who are poets and. Oof, talk about a rough. <laughs> like whenever I'm doing really bad at comedy, I'm like, at least I'm not a poet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love poetry. I have poetry by read it sometimes. I don't not enough, but I think it's an amazing art form. I, that's what I study. I study 18th century romantic era poetry. I wrote a 100-page thesis on on literary theory and and a particular uh, romantic poet and and Which, uh, who's the who was the poet? Percy Shelley. Uh, I, wrote I don't like, know why I bothered to ask. <laughs> like I knew who like I was going to know who it was anyway. Yeah, so I got a degree. I went to Reed College, which is a really um, is a small private school in Oregon, and it's very, very intense. You know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of reading a week, and it's it's um, you have to like to graduate and to get an English degree. I had to take a four hundred level, a senior level literature class, not in translation. So I had to take a Spanish literature class at a, at a in Spanish at a fourth year senior college level in Spanish. With no translation. So I had to do a, a class that was difficult for people who spoke Spanish. <laughs> and then have to do it in a different language. Yeah, and I was like third grade Spanish. So I spent the entire like semester trying to get interlibrary loan for translations of stuff. <laughs> or just like, you know, it was a terrible, it was a another one of those like experiences like what is EBT where I was like, oh, geez, I, every minute of it was painful. Or like business school and that econ class where you're just sitting there and you're like, this is... I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just, I don't know anything about this. It's awful. And I'm just, and I think that's, again, that's why I have a lot of anxiety. I think that's why I, I don't like to fail as much and, and why it, um, I mean, I go home from Mike's still. When I go to Mike's, I'd say half the time I go home and I feel like I need to quit comedy because I just feel like terrible about myself. And that's, and I feel like everybody is talking about me. And I know rationally that nobody is talking about me. And nobody gives a shit and nobody is like that guy sucks or maybe if they are who cares yeah like who cares if they are but that's a problem for me and i've had those experiences in life and it's just like it's just so painful um like i just picture you now writing your contracts just at, at home just type away and it's like oh god they're not gonna like anything that i'm writing here they're not gonna understand anything did i use the words wrong well with, you know what's funny anxiety? oh yeah i was in the beginning you know what's funny is like my my getting better at that Oddly enough, has actually I've been about the same with comedy, and so now I have a confidence in me that I just don't have to, I don't have that those moments, and that's why I, I like comedy. But I well, that's what I'm saying. Writing new material is the place, and performing it, and not having the the math equation figured out is it's real. It's still rough for me, and I I wonder if that's going to limit how good I can get. You know what I mean? Like I wonder if I'm only going to get um, a certain amount of funny, and and I have a real ambition to be super great. You know, like I really want to be that. I want it to be an art. You know, I don't want to just be a good guy that can work the clubs or whatever. I want to be like a guy where you hear it and you're kind of like, you know, that's brilliant or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so uh, full of shit. But, you know, that's like what I, I think you need to really like reach high. And then maybe if you don't get it, you're kind of, 
You know what I mean? Like at least you get three quarters of the way there or whatever, you know? And, uh, and I always say, I'd rather be happy than six, you know, success. I'd rather be, I'd like to be successful, but I'd like to be happy in life before yeah. I, you know, rather get be happy than successful, but it's nice yeah, to like be if happy. I, if, well, it's nice to be successful. That brings happiness. It it does in a, in a way. I think being successful does bring happiness. I, but I don't. I think it's real limited. I think the guys that I admire in this scene and other things are guys that are a lot of times married, and they have fulfilling lives outside of comedy, and they may not be striving as much. But they are just you know. Uh, the, I admire those guys, and then the ones that that still write. So they're still creating and they're still writing, but they have a balanced lifestyle and i don't want to name one or two of them because there's a bunch of them and I, I think that it would be unfair to the other ones but i think that uh there's these guys that seem to have life figured out and they're happier people and i don't want to be you know same reason i want to be a, a, on the road you know like a lot of times because it's real lonely out there in the in the yeah. hotel and and you yeah, know I like that loneliness i don't really do the road but like when i just did i did two days in austin texas for yeah. a festival and i'm going back to baltimore next week or next month for a week to do comedy in another festival. Yeah. And I like that just going there and being by myself, going to a bar by myself to have lunch and make it, and meeting new people, talking to the bartender and not having to be beholden to being around people. I can just be by myself. Oh yeah. Listen, find some people to be around and then walk away from it. Of course. And that's, I'm a loner. I think a lot of us are loners that do this. We're watchers and we're loners, but Dennis, I'm telling you two days, five days, 12 days, fine. But go to fucking right, somewhere in the days. middle of nowhere yeah. at some random, you know, like, uh, it, it's all, it, it's, it gets real depressing. And, you know, you don't wake up and are like, I'm going to write. You're just like, I'm going to go to Waffle House again. I'm going to have this, like, it's like Groundhog Day out there. And I haven't even done it that much, you know, because there's like this progression where you're like, oh, my God, somebody's paying me to do comedy. Oh, my God, somebody's paying for a hotel to do it, and, yeah. and but then like very quickly it kind of gets to a stage I think, and I'm not you know I'm not there. I still appreciate, it. I still love it. I think it's great, and the I love the actual performing of comedy. I always say this: people are like oh, you're, you know, you're you're negative about something when I tell a new person or say you know, um, talking to, talking about some of the downsides of it, the 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 doing it. I would never give it up. It's the best thing that I ever did in my life. And if I if I died tomorrow, I, the biggest thing I'll be happy about is that I figured out something I was good at. And that I love doing, and I spent a lot of time doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just that's amazing. So that's like my baseline. Uh, but that said, you know, and you'll meet a lot of these people out there on the road. It just it's it's rough. You know, it's very isolating and lonely. And and uh, I would rather, you know, I would I would not. It's hard to say what I would I would not. Yeah, but you know, I guess you get older. You think to yourself, it's you know, you gotta that has to happiness has to come from something internally. You it can't be because you got on TV or you whatever. There's just so many. The other thing is you'll work with people who are miserable, and they have so yeah. much more than you. And in a lot yeah. of cases, for me, because I'm older and I know that I'm not going to get certain things, they have things that I will never get, and I don't envy them. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. I know they're miserable, and, and not only that, but they're at the same level that we are all at, which is like, why is that guy getting on that show? Why am I not getting on that show or whatever? You know, so people who look at me and are like, this guy is doing pretty well or whatever. And then I look at another, you know, everybody at every level you're at is like, there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of like, especially if you work hard at it, there's a lot of like, um, just like you're, you're always kind of looking for the next thing. You know, it's not a job where you get a, you know, you get to rest or you get to sort of like, you get a, you know, it's a lot easier in some ways, even though it's kind of depressing to go into an office every day. And, uh, and I missed that. I was like the funny guy at my office. I enjoyed it. I was like, uh, 
you know, I knew what I was doing, kind of like I know now, but um, there was no uncertainty. Like, I might make three quarters of what I made last year. This year, I might make half. And it's hard to plan for that. Yeah. You know, and like I said... Because those, it's only dependent on how many contracts they give They you. come in, yeah. Well, and uh, now they give me a lot more, because I'm better now. But at the beginning, I wasn't. They, I would only... It was kind of like a bench player on a baseball team. Like, if they had a Second lot of string. injuries, they would call me up. And, and now I'm kind of like one of the... A lot of people left, and a lot of people just... And I got better at it. And so now I there's a baseline for how little I can get, which is which is nice. So I can sort of plan, but I'm not going to get a car payment or I pay everything in cash now. I don't try to get I don't do, do credit, credit cards or anything like that because I don't want to assume that I I have uh, five years worth of work for monthly payments. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not I'm totally and that's another thing about comedy too is it's gotten me very serious about just like being as frugal as I can be. You know, I drive a, a 2002 Honda Civic. And it was fifteen hundred bucks, and I put a couple grand in it over the last couple of years because it needed it. But it's a great, you know what I mean? Like I just put ten thousand miles on it between Christmas and and like April first, you know. And it's it's uh and sometimes I'm like you know when I get a big paycheck from from Xerox something like that, I'm just like I I want to go buy a car, you know. I want a better car. Like when it's rattling or I have to put duct tape on some part, I'm just yeah. like. But then I'm just like you know why why would I do that? Like I have to I have all this you know I have a car I don't have to pay car payments I'm not stuck on something I'm not like. It's bad enough that I have my loans from MBA school, which which really I think at some level, um, it doesn't limit me because I, I just think I need a day job to like function in the world. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't do well with free time necessarily. So it, it's good to have that structure of having somebody else need something from me so I'm accountable. Otherwise, I can, I can amaze you with how little I can get done, you know. And, um, and I wish there was like that in comedy. I wish somebody would be like, Hey, you got to write new stuff, you know. Unfortunately, Somebody with comedy, to push you. Yeah. it's easy to get stuck because you're always, you know, your stuff is always new to a new audience, you know. And um, well, did you find it when you first started the working at home doing it? Did you find it difficult to motivate yourself to work from home? Because I still I had, do, yeah. I had that problem originally until I built built a studio in here. Now, when I come in here, it's it's business, and I get to working. I distract a little bit for myself, but like if I need to edit a podcast or if I'm writing posts for the uh, for the Our Boston site, if I'm doing the social media posts, or I need to come in here and sit down and write comedy and write out my jokes. Uh, but I haven't really gotten to that. But well, this when is I a was really just nice doing little... it in front of my in, in my bedroom. Nothing would get done. So did you find it easier to, to motivate yourself at work? Because I can't work from home until oh, yeah. I have somewhere else I to go. I struggle. I struggle all the time. And it's not only that, but I mean, like I said, it's a great job for comedy in some ways. But yeah, it's very, that's also isolating. You know what I mean? Like I really struggle with it. And I don't have like a, this is a cool little, you know, workspace that you have. And I have a, a space, but it's not necessarily an enclosed little room like this where I have two monitors and I have the, you know, I'm like, it's not like delineated as well as this is, you know, and and I think that those things help and putting on pants is a big thing like yeah. in the morning, you know, and not get dressed. Like, and they say that to do these things, but sometimes I'm just like, you know, I don't. And that's a real, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not the best. It's also not the best for like your, you know, being in shape or being outside or doing whatever, yeah. you know, like, like I'm just not a self-motivated guy in a lot of ways. And that's something I'm really trying to work on. The same thing with the failure. Like those are, the two, if I could change a couple things, it would be like, I would be, better about just motivating when no one's looking and 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 then not being afraid to fail not letting that kind of kind of edit me on the backside where i'm like afraid to try something yeah break through and do something like a voice for instance you know like or an act out or something different than maybe what my act is um you know how do i know i'm not good at this particular stuff or how do i know i'm not you know um 
you know, so yeah, that's a, those are the big things that like you know um, I would like to fix. And same thing with work. I would like to get a project because a lot of times the thing that's also fits me with this work is that I get a a big chunk of writing and then I get two months or a month to do it. Maybe the thing's due in three weeks. And usually, I will be honest, I just fuck a, you know I just screw off that first week. I need some <laughs> pressure, you know. Like and once I get you going, need deadlines, yeah. Yeah, I'll just get out. I'll be like, like tomorrow, I didn't do much last week, and I've got something to do. I've got a big thing to do, and tomorrow I've just said this. And it may not happen, but I've said I'm just going to get up to my alarm. I'm going to get up, shower, even though I don't have to shower. I'm going to put on pants, even though I don't have to put on pants. I'm going to I'm gonna get there, and I'm just going to work all day, and, um, and, and I'm going to pump this out, even though I know I could get up a week later. And do, and, and do yeah, but the problem is, is that I'm gonna do 80 hours and shows, you know, that week, and that's hard, you know. Like when I'm really busy, it's seven days. I've worked. I worked last year. I worked like 52 days straight, without a single day off. And oh God. but I put a ton of money away, and it helped me a lot with, you know. Um, so it's just a big. I take everything because I don't, you know what I mean. Like I need the money, and I I don't know when it's gonna go away, and so. But it was, it was rough. I actually sting, I still still kind of hung over from how much I worked last year. And this year's lighter, and uh, there's some uncertainty there, but also it's kind of better because I was—I mean, literally, my brain was fried because yeah. the work is the work Health is like you're better. Yeah, and you're looking at these contracts. Honestly, it's like staring through a freaking you know uh, magnifying glass sometimes to find this little piece of something to put the right little thing on verbiage the, in or whatever. Yeah, so it's a it's real detailed work, and it requires a lot of concentration, and and you have to work up to it. It takes me like an hour till I'm like in the zone with it. And then if I stop for lunch, I have to ramp back up. It takes like a half hour to get back into the... Yeah, and the mode of running. Like yeah. when you were talking about uh, getting up and shower, even though you don't have to, that's the thing I'm the worst at. Like on the week... Because I only work Monday to Friday now, my real job. Uh, so on the weekends, if I have nowhere to go, and if I'm just working in here, I don't get out of my, my pajama pants and I don't shower, which is so gross. There's definitely times where I'll come home from work Friday night and just stay inside all the way till Monday morning and not shower. And I'm like... Uh, I'll get wake up 4 a.m. get in the shower and just go. Oh, what I'm doing is so gross right now. Like I'm cleaning two and a half days worth of filth off of me because I'm too lazy to shower because I didn't leave the house. Yeah, that's terrible, and I'm very surprised you admitted that. <laughs> well, <that's 'cause laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's because I'm don't... in control of editing. <laughs> yeah, I mean comics. You know, come on, people who do comedy, people who do art. Yeah, that's not at all Uncommon unheard of. That, no, yeah. I mean that's that's not. You know. But that's good that you know that that's what it's going to take to motivate you. To get working on the on the project, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, it could not happen. I just wake up tomorrow and I'm not in a good mood or I'm depressed or whatever. I might just, you know, be on Netflix and then I'll put it off. And if I don't get started in the morning, I don't get a lot done that day. And um, you know, and then of course there's comedy at night, maybe not on a Monday or Tuesday, but there's, you know, it's easy enough for me to while away the day on, say, I want to book, try and book myself or send some emails or whatever. It's very easy for me to kind of get in that mode, get distracted from work, and then I yeah. can't bill anything that day, and I I don't get any further, and and um, so it's it's uh yeah it's a weird thing. So I'm very lucky because that job, as I got better at that job, and as people left the company, I got to be more. They used me more, yeah. and now my and I got a new boss, and my boss really likes. He even likes my comedy, I guess you know. So it's like, He's which seen clubs online. Yeah, she saw it, and then she was like, oh, and it just made me feel like I wasn't hiding from something, you know what I mean? It made me feel more like a professional comedian, and, because um, you, I think you do want to hide that from people, necessarily. Not not if you're like a, you know, a new comic, maybe, or you do an open mics, so they're like, oh, he does comedy, and everybody thinks that's kind of a cool thing, but when you start book, you know, when you start, you know, like, if you look at my calendar, 
you know, I work all, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, and you were like my boss, you'd be like, Jesus, I don't know when he's going to do his shit. When he's going to get his job done, yeah. Yeah, or you, you know, if people know how much time you spend and when you, when you get, you know, when you're trying to get good at this, when you're trying to figure it out, you got to go out, you just have to be kind of relentless about it and very single-minded. And that includes during the day, (laughs) during the time you're supposed to be doing work, like your mind working on you know, in the background on some other process, which is comedy. And so you, you really are kind of like um, cheating on your work. You know what I mean? Like, especially exactly, when you yeah. start. So you just don't want people to know. And also you don't want people to come out and, and see your dick jokes and, you know, talk to you. And, you know, so I'm, I'm lucky that there was not lucky, but there's a guy. It's so stupid. But there was a guy. There's a guy named my name is Alan, A-L-A-N. And um, at, you know, so in school, for some reason, in a lot of my life, people called me Alan and I, I but all my close friends called me Al. And then it turns out there's a Canadian comic named Alan Park. So and, they can mix uh, the two of you up. Yeah. And even one time somebody put the, like a couple times people have just been like, rather than request a headshot uh, for like a road game, they just put up his shit, you know? <laughs> I've never been on the CBC, but, uh, you know, this guy has. And he's like 60, so it's just weird. And then I'll see his picture on the poster and it's just like, oh yeah, that's not, but nobody gives a shit because I'm like the future, oh, yeah. you know. And I had the same problem. There's another radio guy in uh I want to say it's Kentucky named Dead Air Dennis and occasionally I'll get his tweets from his fans but he's not on Twitter yeah. or I'll get his Facebook messages that, like maybe three times a year somebody mistakes yeah. me for him and I'm like that different radio guy sorry well, that's I'm, very... not a, I'm not a weekend hack uh, radio guy on a shitty rock station that's funny that's I, I would I'm surprised that there's two Dead Air Dennis's Alan Park you know, there's like 3,000 Korean Alan Parks, you know, just <laughs> hanging out because that's like the most popular Korean last name. So there's plenty of those people. But so I went by Al, but it doesn't it doesn't throw people up. But if you search Alan Park comedy, it's going to be all him. Yeah. It's not going to be me. Well, You're not going to see that at all. So a lot of people who might be like, you know, and then they, they might even think that. I'm not going to tell them, you know, coworkers or whatever. So when they search that, um, they might not search for Al Park or whatever, which is, again, yeah. what I pre- actually what I prefer to be called. On and, stage, and, yeah. Well, even in just life. off, yeah, in life, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, so. Well, you were talking about earlier, you've never met any of your coworkers. Uh, is that because you guys are spread out across the country and yeah, you guys just the, communicate through emails and phone? Yeah, it's just the nature of the work, you know, you can spend time with them. You can go to like, once a project is basically at the final stages and they're compiling everything, they will fly a bunch of people to Washington, D.C. where they, where they have their headquarters and they'll, they'll get it together. But I can't do that either because I can't, I don't know when that's going to happen and I book out three months, so. They, you know what I mean? Like, that's why also this job works really well for me because I never have to be anywhere. And in comedy, you cannot cancel on somebody once and expect to get booked there. again. Yeah. So if somebody says you got to be in Washington in the, you know, three weeks, I'll be like, I have six shows that week. I'm not going to be even a local guy, you know, whatever. You just don't want to cancel on somebody because, you know, you're just trying to, you know, I, I don't know. It's just so it's hard to do that. And, and, I even turned down a full-time job from the same guy that got me this job. He wanted to give me a, you know, and it was really, it was a good opportunity and it was good money and it was stability, healthcare, which I have to pay for myself out of pocket now and uh, is not cheap. And, and nope. So it was a really tempting thing. And he knows I'm a comic. So he, but the one thing was that there was travel a couple times a year and it wasn't three months in advance that I would know about it. So I couldn't. Take you the know, job. Not only, not, yeah, I couldn't do so it because I canceled. The, the success of your comedy is kind of affecting your career at this point, isn't it? 
a little bit. As long as I stay where I'm at, it doesn't. But yeah, at yeah. any point in time, well, you I, could have had a full time job that was more money and a little more stability. Well, and but listen, you couldn't because of comedy. If That's I, a good place to be at, I think. I, I guess, but I mean, the thing. Well, no, I mean it's not because I have a, I have to make a certain amount to pay my loans down. So no, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I literally if I lost but this, it's a good thing for the comedy that shows success in comedy. I think, don't you think? To some extent, but like, what if I moved to New York? I'm, I'm now. I'm not doing it. You, you, you can't get hooked on the, you know, the twelve hundred bucks a month you make in comedy, or the six hundred bucks, or even the two grand months, or whatever it is. You know, it's not enough to start. You know, Joe List was always talking about how he was on something. He, he, you know, he was like, people don't realize that I'm twelve years in and I made fourteen grand last year in comedy, or whatever it is that he made. And he was doing just that. You know what I mean? So he yeah, just yeah. made fourteen grand, and people don't realize that's you know. You cannot, you cannot live on 14, 14 grand, grand a year. year. No, yeah, not yeah. as an adult and, and you know, um, it's very hard to do that unless like a lot of comics or whatever, you have some kind of thing where you're living with your parents or free rent or, or whatever. And so um, if, but if you go to New York or you go to LA or whatever, you're starting over, you're an open micer, you might get on some good shows, even with credits or whatever. I'm still just, you know, and I, in order to get in there, I can't be on the road. I can't do that all the time, but I'll probably end up, if I do end up, you know, moving, it will be to New York probably before LA. Um, because, uh, and I, you know, again, I don't know if I'll do either, but it would be there because I can do some road. You know what I mean? Like I, I can, I now can work in Albany cause I've worked there. They, you know, there's these little things that you, you know, they'll have me back or whatever. And I can go out and, and, and that might even be especially important cause I'm going to be eating it a lot at, you know, 4 PM open mics or whatever, you know, humiliation you have to endure when you're younger or and newer. I have to go through that again to some extent before I kind of establish myself in those scenes. And that could take years. Especially and, since you're, if you're in and out, they don't think you're even dedicated to it, but they don't realize you're out on the road doing those gigs. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do. And I know enough people in New York now that, so it's maybe a little easier, but it's like anything. Nobody can do your career for you. Nobody can, you know, bring you up necessarily unless they get like a TV show and they have a writing staff and then they have to want to, they have to be like, you're a good writer. And they have to go there and you got to produce like nothing. No one's going to do you a favor necessarily just because you're a good guy. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, or you're, you're friends with them. And so you got to establish yourself when you get to a place. And, and so there's going to be a sacrifice. I want to get hooked on the money I make on comedy, which again, I made nothing until like a year and a half ago. And then I still make nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, listen, how long would it take to make, I, that's the other thing. People sometimes are like, why am I not making money? First of all, there's a thousand comics for every like 12 spots there are at a, at a club. The second thing is, is oh, that. Yeah. I don't even, I, I don't even, I'm not even trying to do the audition five person bringer or whatever yeah. Laugh Boston shows so I can get guest spots at Nick's and Laugh because at this yeah. point, what if, at best, if I go up there and I blow them away, yeah. what, how much work am I really going to get? Two guest spots a year that are unpaid? If I'm lucky, one yeah, well, spot that, a year? There's too many, we are oversaturated in this area a little bit with too many comics and not enough spots. I think Especially that, paid. But that's true everywhere. That's yeah. why the pay hasn't risen for, uh, non-star comics in 30 years it's not it's less actually you get paid less to feature now than you did in 1989 and nobody nobody taught a lot of people when you you don't know that necessarily until you start until you do it, it. Yeah. yeah people used to get a louis or people when he was not good when he was new got you know um 150 bucks to host a show and there were three shows a night and there were four nights in a row you know what i mean like he could make a lot of money not even being very not even having 20 minutes yeah and now you need to have that time and you need to have that and then you have to be consistently um, good at it, and 
And you can't help it. If you're a Doug Stanhope kind or if you're somebody who's a little more esoteric, and I love those people the most, like I said, that but they may not have the they may not be as relatable as me, and I'm not trying to be that way. That just happens to be whatever I yeah. do. I'm not like specifically being like what's gonna work at in Poughkeepsie or whatever. It just happens to be that whatever what I do is kinda relatively relatable and broad, you know? Like I love Gaffigan and I kind of aspire to be him, but I don't, you know, that's not like a choice. You just end up who you are. And if you're writing very ornate stuff about sort of, I wouldn't say city things, but smart things, and, and it relies on cultural context that people outside of a certain area or people who are different aren't going to get, then that's a choice. And you're not, that's not a choice necessarily. It's kind of like who you are. And you should follow that path and be as unique as you are. Because when you talk about things that you're into or that you're excited about, you're going to be way more um, successful than you are about, like, you know, stuff that you're not. I mean, all you can do is kind of like, you know, when you paint or you sing, whatever your voice ends up being, it turns out that way. All you can do, like, is be as much you as you can, uh, and then and then ideally, hopefully, that f- makes, uh, you know, somebody comes to that and is like, oh, that I like that, you know, but you can't necessarily engineer that. And if you do, it's probably going to sound like somebody else or sound like, you know, but that's the one thing, and I don't want to belabor this, but when if you started playing cello tomorrow, yeah. Would you expect to get paid to play no. cello a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? People have been playing cello since they were two years old. You know what yeah, I mean? Like 20, you, 30 years. Yeah. yeah, so it's just not something where like you shouldn't think about that stuff. And, and I, I try not to. I mainly book myself out of town and other places because I, I just it's a new thing. I'm trying to do it. And the other thing is it fills my calendar, and I have to fill my calendar because I can't sit and write. I can't be – there's a guy, one of the best comics in Boston, and, and even nationally, he could be as good as – Sean Sullivan has kids. He can't get out six nights a week or five nights a week. But if you ever look at what he writes, it's, it's he writes longhand in a fucking thing. It's just three, – And three and a half notebooks, like three full-size notebooks and one small notebook he carries around everywhere. I was like – Yeah. And I saw that. I was like, dude, why don't you digitize some of that and put it on your phone? He's like – Nah, man. Now, and he's fucking brilliant, and his stuff is so good. And I, I don't know, if, I don't think. Whereas, like Dan Bolger, the other, you know, another, those are kind of like my beacons. And this, you know, there's a bunch of people. Yeah. One single those out with, but those are people who are just really writing smart stuff. But but there's all these different ways to do it. But I can't necessarily sit at home and write, so I have to get up, you know, and, go and, out um, and try things. And, yeah. And talk. Yeah. And six years is I'm very, you know, that's very lucky to be able to to even. You know, to do that, yeah, I, I, to to do that stuff, and 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 uh, to 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 get up that stage time. I mean, that's the whole game, you know. Get the stage time, do the stage time. At least for me, and for I think for most people, because you get that confidence, and you get you know, and but if you don't get that, you can't like you you know, it's that whole fucking ten ten thousand hours thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of ridiculous, but it's it's really important. I I don't think I'm. I hope that I'm not anywhere near as good as. I hope I'm like I'm like you know, like a quarter of the way as not even like, I hope that I'm four or 10 times better in five years and 10 years than I am now. Like I have a real aspiration to do stuff that's really good. And sometimes I, you know, I think it's important to know that you're not that good and that what you're doing right now is just the best you can do with the tools that you have. And that, you know, you, you just have to keep getting better in order for it to be, you know, you don't have to engineer, you have to market it. You have to, you know, it's good to start your own show, but maybe not in the first year or until you can do it, you can learn skills from it. But maybe you know, don't worry about the external stuff so much, because I think if you just pound it and pound it and pound it and get better, then you know, then and then you're if you're good in front of somebody, they book you. It's not like you. Have, there's no secret email 
thing or handshake. Yeah. Or you don't even want to get into horse trading, which is a real issue with me anyway. Like, and it's impossible not to because you want to be nice and you want to. Yeah. But that's why I don't run a show, and I is you I, don't feel like you have to book somebody because they booked you. Yeah, that's a real. That's bad. a. It's especially here. Comedy. It's not good for comedy. It, it's fine. It's I get it. It's going to happen. It's not like you can oh, control yeah. any of these things. But it's not a good habit for you to get into. You don't want to be a guy who, who, who leverages their their the stage time they have for other stage time that you may not deserve, you know. And or you don't want to be that to be the primary thing or the unspoken agreement between you. You want to get it because you're you're good and and uh, and oftentimes you don't get the thing that you're probably ready for until a year after you're ready. For, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah. No one's gonna feature you until you're, you know, probably. You know what I mean? Like. You almost don't want that. You don't want somebody to be like, you're just good enough to feature, you know. And by the way, nobody gives a shit if you'd feature. You know what I mean? Like, comedy should not necessarily always happen in clubs. It should be just write smart jokes. And, and, you know, that old model is not, you know, necessarily great, even though I'm clearly doing that right now. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, so that's the thing. Just, you know, that's my, and I always feel like I lecture about this stuff, but that's, uh. That's my advice. I know you got to get out here in a few minutes, but last question. Sure. Um, say you lost your job with Xerox, uh, writing contracts and stuff like that. Are you capable of working any type of whatever the day job be just to do comedy or is, do you have a standard of what work that you need to do? Because I, I would never go back to wearing a name tag ever again. Me personally. Well, that's the other thing I didn't say before, but when things dried up at Xerox, I temped for, and I was stuffing envelopes. And it was, uh, and there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I've done all sorts of shitty jobs in my life, but I was stuffing envelopes for $11 an hour for, which again, nothing wrong with $11, nothing wrong with any of this work, but with an MBA, which I spent a lot of money on, for which the average salary is supposed to be something like that. And not only that, but I was doing it at a company that I know worked with my business school, and people would come in there and do consulting projects for them at a certain huge lawyer-type rate. And I'm, I just, I was there for like a week. And the entire week, I was like, I hope nobody I know sees me. from business school sees me. Because I wasn't getting even booked in comedy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, well, like part of it's my people. age. Like, at 35, I don't want to be wearing a name tag right now. Yeah, As, um, amongst a bunch of twenty-two-year-olds, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, again, I had to do that. If I have to do it again, I'll do it. I, I drive a, I've, like I said, I have a joke about you know following your dreams. You got to sacrifice a bunch of shit. You got to, you know, I live with a roommate now, yeah, which is a thing I never thought I would do after a certain point. I, I just, uh, but you know, it's you got to sacrifice for this, and you got to save money, and and yeah, I can't make below a certain amount and still expect to pay off my loans before I die. So it's just, you know, and 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 if I keep making the same I'm making now, I can really make take chunks out of that. Well, would you get that eventual freedom? But there's no, you know, so I would I would do anything after a certain while. Right now, I've saved up enough that I can kind of like. I can be without work for a while, but I yeah, if I have to get a day job and put comedy on the I wouldn't say back burner, but if I had to get a full time day job, and frankly, you can't just get it's very very rare that you could get a job like mine where you never meet anybody. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I even it just happens to be this weird type of work. People are like, oh, can I? How do I? I have no idea how you get that type of work. It's just a pure luck thing, and it, again, it involved a lot of failure and a lot of it was very difficult to get through the first couple of years. No, not a lot of money and being unemployed a lot and it may go away tomorrow and I may have to go back and just do a full-time job and that's going to suck because yeah. uh, bec- just because I don't get to you know my hours are, are bad and I won't be able to travel and, and uh, but you know again if your goal is to 
do this thing, I guess you got to make sacrifices. And unfortunately for me, uh, or fortunately, I don't know, I have a, I have this obligation, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ignore it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't like it's not like the loan payments stay the same or whatever if you don't. Do yeah. It. And it's also like you know, I don't know that I want to be, um, you know, people who just kind of go for it. And I, I don't know, I just don't know. I mental health wise and anxiety wise. I may not just be meant for that, you know, in a way that I barely made it those couple of years when I was going into my credit cards. I, I really wanted to just quit the whole thing and very lucky that I got, you know, had a, a busy year or two and kind of got, got that, got out of that hole. And then I look back and I'm like, that was necessary to invest that time to get better at comedy so that I could kind of get to where I was at, you know, whatever low level or whatever middle, you know, level I'm at now is, is almost contingent upon having s- sort of gone into debt and been underemployed for that time. And so just, there's a lot of super, super luck, I guess, that, that, that you know, and, and, and the other lucky thing is that I, you know, like I, I was pretty good at it, you know, like that could not be the case. I think for a lot of people, you know, it could have been, I could have been trying something and this wasn't the thing I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be playing cello or supposed to be doing something else. And, and it's important to realize that too, because you just don't want to, you know, if somebody quits their corporate job and is like, I'm going to play bass, <laughs> you know, you're just like, you'd be like, what the fuck, you know, but comedy, there's a weird sort of delusion about it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a delusion, but, you know, it's a tough thing to do. And, and it's just one of those things where, um, uh, fuck, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I just think, Dennis, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you gotta, you know, some people can do it. Some people can just fucking do whatever they, they can just get, do it all. And I think a lot of his age too. I'm older. I'm not a sleep on your couch kind of guy. I'm, I'm, it's harder for me. And that, that also works against me. That and being a pleaser, not liking to fail. There's a lot of things going against me that I need to. I think, and they're life things. They're not just comedy things that I need to get better at and more open to if I'm going to get better, if I'm going to really progress to be a level, you know. Yeah. I could I could do the, I think I'm getting where I could be a, a regional, you know, headliner and do the, jo- do the job and do it well. And, and but I, I and I, there's nothing wrong with that. I have more respect for those people than I ever did before I started doing this stuff, but, uh, or d- working with them. But, but I aspire to something different than that. Um, and and the ability for me to get there is probably contingent upon me improving another ask you know those those things that I, I need to work on um, and, uh, and 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 then and then a lot of luck in terms of hopefully I keep this job hopefully I keep doing well at it and it you know I, I still have that flexibility so none of that is guaranteed and uh, but you know knock on wood and uh, you know onward and upward. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for coming in, Al. It was a good conversation. I learned actually a lot about you I didn't know before. Well, I had a great time. I hope I didn't talk uh, 99% of the time, but I'm pretty sure I no, did. You needed to. Trust me, nobody wants to hear about me. They're not coming to this to hear me. They're coming to hear the interesting people I bring in, hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, it was fun. All right, good. And there you have it, my interview with Al Park, comedian, proposal writer. I like saying his credits because I like saying proposal rider because I actually have a mic screen that doesn't pop my microphone when I get to say that. I don't have a popping keys or not nearly as bad. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of, I get inside baseball on the tech and this stuff. Like right now, I'm recording this with a new microphone that I just got and I'm really excited because it's one of those upright microphones that look really cool and very professional even though the mics I had sounded very professional before and my studio looks studio looks like a room with a mattress against the wall but <laughs> it looks cool. Um, at least that's what everybody says when they come in here. I assume they are telling the truth. I'm glad to finally get this podcast out, though. I've been very busy, and I spent uh, this morning, instead of cleaning my yard up, uh, I spent uh, editing and getting this podcast up right now. And um, 
the reason I had to clean my yard is because if you follow me on Twitter, uh, we just did a comedy cookout yesterday for Memorial Day weekend uh, here at my place uh, on uh, Sunday. And I woke up this morning thinking it was still Sunday. That I need to do Sunday things before I go back to work tomorrow on Monday, even though today is Monday because it's a holiday and I didn't go to work today. I probably could have gone to work today because I'm getting paid for it anyway. I've got paid double if I'd gone to work, but there's really nothing to do. Hey, guess you forgot to turn the alarm off on his phone. Hey, professional radio guy here, guys. Professional radio guy. And I'm not going to start over and get rid of this. No, that's going to stay in there because I am honest. But I'm not going to honestly tell you what things I edited out of the podcast with Al Park. I may have added some of my heavy breathing out. Actually, I don't, I, you know what? I don't think I breathe as heavily now when just sitting here now that I've lost 36 pounds. Anyway, Comedy Cookout, that was a great fun time. Uh, my roommate Jesse and I, who are both comedians, we are going to be doing this all summer long uh, where we have, you know, comedians come out, do a comedy show in our backyard. We cook out, we grill, we have a good time. We did one last summer. Like September, so I guess that's not summertime, but we did one last year, and we're going to do one every month this year. So if you're in the Boston area and you're a fan of the podcast, uh, consider yourself invited uh, to come to the next one, June something or other, somewhere at my place, somewhere in in Boston. I'm not going to tell you on the podcast where that is, but if you follow me on Twitter uh, or if we're friends on Facebook, consider yourself invited. Uh, if you live in the New Her- in the New England area, hey, if you if you live in Maine, all right, if you live in Connecticut. Uh, and you want to drive two and a half hours to come to my comedy cookout uh, where I have my friends just saying dumb, uh, funny things in the background of all of us eating burgers and lighting fires. Uh, you are more than welcome to drive that distance to come out and do that. So anyway, uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with Al Park. I really hope you enjoyed sitting down and listening to him as well. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. Uh do me a favor, if you're listening on whatever platform, whether it be iTunes uh, or Stitcher or Google Play, uh, do me a favor, subscribe if you haven't already done that, and post in a, a nice, um, what do you call it, a nice uh, a, a comment, a, leave a review, leave a good review because it helps out. Uh, if you're actually only listening to this for the first time because you're listening to a friend um, like Al Park, if you're friends of Al Park and you're listening to this for the first time, leave a review on the site because the reviews are going to push this up. More people are going to be able to hear it and more people are going to be able to hear your friend Al Park. Um, or if you're just listening to other friends and you're less like, if you, you know, discovered it because I had one, uh, one of my other guests was a friend of yours that you can, you know, leave a review on that as well. If you continue listening, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, but again, if you could leave a review, that'd be fantastic because the more reviews and the more subscriptions pushes it up in the ratings, front pages, stuff like that, more people get to see it. And you're doing your friend that you came to listen to, to this for a favor and you're doing me a humongous favor and I appreciate it. Um, you know, if you do that, if you leave a review and you come to the comedy cookout, I will give you a free cheeseburger with pickles if that's your choice. Actually, if you come to the thing, I'll give you a burger anyway because we just shove burgers down people's throats. Anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Goodbye.